The following sermon is by Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel in Northwest San Antonio, Texas. For more information, for prayer, or to support us financially, please visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Let us prepare our hearts to hear God's truth through the preaching of his word, which begins with prayer. Let us pray together. Father God, you are the source of all light. By your word, you gave us light to our souls. Pour out on us the spirit of wisdom and understanding that our hearts and our minds may be open to know your truth and your way. In Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Hey, the other day I was speaking to a dear friend, a dear friend of mine. Uh, my friend has, has hit rock bottom. In, in his life. He has hit rock bottom. He not only is recovering from yet another stroke, which has caused him to lose sight in one of his eyes, he's also struggling, suffering through diabetes, which is worse than, and it's continuing to eat away at him. This diabetes has already taken Half his foot is wanting to take more of his body. Financially, my friend is strapped. He has no means of support through the government or anything else. No means of support just yet. He was living in a, in a dilapidated, rundown old shack when I spoke to him last. My friend is coping. I, I asked him, how are you feeling? How are you coping with all that you're struggling with, with the horror that this season in life has you? How are you coping with this? And he told me something that is kind of interesting. And it's probably perhaps some of you are coping with your life the same way. Some of you are probably coping with your struggles in life the same way. And he said this to me. He said, I am on survival mode. I'm living on survival mode. Taking everything one day at a time. Does that sound like many of us or many people that you know? Living on survival mode. Going from one struggle, one suffering episode to another. Then I asked my friend this question, and I'll ask you. As you suffer through the struggles of life, as you suffer through the struggles of life, of your life, what is your hope? What is your hope? What is your primary hope? What do you hope will happen as you're going through all these, all the suffering, as you're struggling through all the sufferings of your life? 
What is your hope? What do you hope will happen? Today's Good Friday. As I mentioned just a little while ago, today is a, is a day during the Lenten season that we commemorate the cross, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ our Lord. The death of our Savior, Jesus Christ, is a day, is a death, it is an event, it is, a, it is a, an ultimate event in human history where Jesus reconciles, restores the fallen people of God with the kingdom of God. The death of Christ is the day that Jesus reconciled the fallen people of God with the kingdom of God. In fact, Jesus himself tells us so. When Jesus walked this earth, when he started his ministry, Mark 1.15 says this, and this is Jesus talking. He says, Jesus says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. That was Jesus talking telling us that. Now, what, is the Lord, what did our Lord mean by that? What does he mean by that? The kingdom of God is at hand. Now, are we going to see heaven open up? Something miraculous? Yes, even more than that. The king was here. It was the king that was saying this, these words. Jesus is telling us that he is the king. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the one who is ushering in the return of the kingdom of God. Now, please understand that the kingdom of God, which Jesus ushered in, is not the final kingdom in its full expression. It is not the final kingdom, the new heavens and the new earth. It is not that kingdom yet. That kingdom has not been reached, and but it will be reached when he returns on his, at his second coming in judgment. But it is a kingdom, and it is God's kingdom that's here in the here and now. Hey, why do I say that? How do I know that? Well, the king told us that. He said it's here. It's at hand. And not only that, if you are a Christian, you believe in the king, and the king through the power of the Holy Spirit dwells in you. That means the kingdom of the kingdom is here now. It's here. You are part of God's kingdom. You who believe, you who believe in him. See, in the story of redemption, the promises of the kingdom of God find their fulfillment on the cross of Christ. In the story of our redemption, the promises of the kingdom of God find their fulfillment on the cross. Jesus brings it, brings it. He brings it on the cross. You see, the one who reigns over the kingdom is the one who suffered on the cross. He suffered. Make no mistake about it, he suffered on the cross. Jesus is the Messiah, the long-awaited Savior who had been promised. 
He is that one. He shows up. He is on the scene. And as the story of redemption unfolds, okay, the story of redemption unfolds, it provides us the framework for how we connect the kingdom of God with the cross, the crucifixion of the Messiah. The story of the kingdom of God began back in the garden, back in the beginning. Now, although the phrase, the kingdom of God, had not appeared, or does not appear until later, <clears throat> the concept of the kingdom had its roots in the soil of Eden. The concept of the kingdom had its roots in the soil of Eden. In Genesis 1 or 2, it tells us, Genesis 1, or 2, 1 and 2 portrays God as a loving king, hence the kingdom of God. God ruled over his good creation. And he does that through his image bearers. He does it through his image bearers. Who, who are they? Adam and Eve. The image bearers, Adam and Eve. But instead of ruling over the earth, Adam and Eve submitted to the rule of a crafty serpent, who we know, we find out later, is Satan. Satan, Satan led, basically. Adam and Eve sinned against God, thereby fracturing their relationship with God, fracturing our relationship with God and collapsing God's reign over his creation. You see, instead of Adam and Eve going out into the earth and expanding the blessing of God upon the earth, instead of doing that, Adam and Eve were banished from the, from the garden. And they were banished to wander in existence, spreading the curse of the fall throughout the world. In the midst of this cosmic treason, this sin against God by humanity, God doesn't give up on his kingdom. From the dirt of Eden, God, God brings his redemption. God sprouts the redemption of humanity with the promise of the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent while suffering, while suffering, the word key word here so far is suffering in Christ. So by suffering the bird, a, a bruised heel, Genesis 3.15. Now, the, the victory, the victory of the seed re reversed the curse and restored God's creation to where it needed to be. God took, took back his creation, in other words. The end goal is God's reign over the earth. God's reign over the earth. However, now here's what we're, where we suffer, and we've all suffered. I know each of you, and you know me. We've all suffered. But, so, because, because of this victory, the, the promise of victory now includes a price, and the price is suffering. Suffering. This is the pattern that emerged from Adam, from the Adam story. It's a pattern that emerged from the Adam story that victory would come through suffering. 
exaltation, through humiliation, and, and ultimately the kingdom through the cross. You see, the gospel that Jesus preached was the kingdom of God that's here and now, the kingdom of God through suffering. God preached the gospel of suffering. Can you relate to that? Of course you can. Christ, Jesus, preached a gospel of suffering. The gospel of suffering. It has to be that way. It has to be that way from the beginning, after the fall. God cursed the earth. He cursed humanity. And he said they would suffer. That's all of humanity. All of humanity, all of humanity since then was cursed to suffer. Everyone would suffer as a result of sin. Now, look, even if you're a non-believer, you suffer because of the curse. And those who have been called that are non-believers at that time, that suffering does what? Brings them to Christ. The minute they hear the gospel, they, it resonates. Now, it may be a certain time in their life. It may be when the Holy Spirit, it is when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. But they suffer. Non-believers suffer because of the fall. And non-believers suffer so they could come to Christ. He is their only hope. He is our only hope. Now, if you're a believer, a true believer, you suffer. You came to Christ through suffering. And when you suffer now as a true believer, that suffering does what? It draws you nearer to Christ. It draws you nearer to him. If you belong to him and you're resisting him, get ready. You're probably already suffering, but it's only going to get worse because your only hope is Christ. It has to be that way. When God curses something, it's cursed. It's condemned. And that's what the Lord does. See, if you're a true believer in Christ, you are or you have experienced suffering. And you must first realize that you are first a part of the kingdom of God. You were first a part of the kingdom of God in the here and now. And, and that's big, and we're going to talk more about that on Easter Sunday. But that also means you're a part of suffering. See, because the Lord never promised you that you were not going to suffer, did he? Nowhere in Scripture did he say, you're not going to suffer. Oh, man, you know what? You came to me, you're going to have a, you're going to have a great life. Never suffer again. How can, how can that be on this fallen world? But what Christ did say and what he did promise is that when you suffer and when you walk and when you live for his glory, he will be with you. He will suffer with you. He will go through the fire. He will hold your hand through the fires and walk with you and bring you through it. That's what he promised. Christ promised God commands you as a true believer to what? Fear not. Fear not. Why not? Because I am with you. No, but this hurts. You know, this suffering really hurts. Like, man, I'm dying here. I'm dying here. I'm at the lowest point I've ever been in my life. How can I, how can I not suffer? How can I fear not? Like, what's, what's the worst that could happen to you? 
Well, the worst that can happen to you is you can physically die. And if you if you belong to Christ, you, you you're up and you're with Him. You're kingdom bound. And that's what the Lord is telling us to fear not. But He is with you. You're kingdom bound. So you are called to take up your cross. Take up your cross and follow Him in your suffering. See, Mark's gospel talks about it. It, it talks to, uh, in Mark's gospel's account of the crucifixion. It, it has a lot of royal, royal images of Christ in this, in it. It talks about how God, how Christ has this this uh, purple robe, which is purple is a sign of, of royalty. Uh, he has a scepter in his head. He has a cross of thorn on his head. Even as he hangs on the cross, there's a sign above his head that says the king of the Jews. Now, Mark is using all this as irony that the one who's being mocked as a king is truly a king. He is truly a king, but a much different king that you've ever known or ever realized, this world has ever realized. Even the onlookers, the onlookers are saying, they're telling Christ when he's on the cross, save yourself, come down from the cross. Yet Jesus reveals his kingship by not coming down from the cross and saving himself. What does he do? He stays on the cross to save others, to save you. Jesus stays on the cross to die, to save you, you who believe in him. The cross is the greatest display of Christ's love for us. His power, his power controlled by his love for you, for us. Jesus is king. He's the king even on the cross. He forgives sin. He deals with evil. He establishes God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. It's coming. The splendor of God, of God's royal power, shines bright, shines the brightest through the sacrificial death of his son that pleased the Father. The cross is the crowning achievement of Christ's kingdom mission. That's what we commemorate this Good Friday. Let us pray. Now, at this time, we're going to do something different. We're going to pray in silence. You heard the message of the cross, and you're impacted by that message. Each of you has felt it. Now, let's take a moment in silence for silent prayer. Let's pray in silence. You've been listening to Manny Alanese, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching His Word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.